This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we continue our study of the book of beginnings, Genesis, with descendants of Ham, descendants of Shem, Tower of Babel, more on Shem, and Terah's family. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. From the rising of the sun to its setting. In the name of the Lord is to be praised. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be your keeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Sanctify us in your truth. Your word is truth. From the rising of the sun to its setting. In the name of the Lord is to be praised. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Thank you. 
a reading from Psalm 33. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the heart of them, of them all, and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army, a warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by it great might, and by its great might it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those whose hope who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him, because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. You shall have no
the small catechism, page 322. What is the first article of the Creed? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. What does this mean? I believe that God has made me and all creatures, and that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the creeds, the great creeds of our faith, whether we're talking of the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed, they're all redundant. They add nothing to our faith. They give us nothing that we do not already have in Scripture. Indeed, they are completely dependent upon the Scriptures. If you were to remove the Scriptures, the creed would have no purpose or place in our lives. They're redundant. And yet, they're also indispensable. They're indispensable for the faithful, and especially the faith of the faithful. They concisely present to us in beautiful language, language that patterns the words that we use, the way in which we hear our faith. They beautifully summarize the witness of Scripture. They're indispensable for the faith of the faithful. Now, what do I mean by that? Think for a moment. You'll have to imagine this given the place that we are, but think for a moment that the organist is playing a beautiful hymn, a hymn that you know so well, but then hits the wrong note by accident. Now, whether you play the organ or the piano matters not. Your ear has heard something is wrong. You may not know the note they were supposed to hit or the note that they did hit, but your ear tells you this is wrong. This is not right. That's what these creeds do for the faithful. They train our ear to hear the witness of Scripture. And very precisely, they train our ear that we would know the great work of our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The creeds may be redundant, but they're indispensable for the catechesis of the church. They're indispensable for us as we go forth confessing our faith, engaging others, and giving a proper and sound witness to that faith. Well, 
What about the Apostles' Creed that we have before us today? In this creed, we see very clearly what we heard there in the psalm, that it is our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, indivisibly one, as we confess, who creates all things as He is, irreducibly three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is the Father who creates by His Word and Spirit all things for you and for me. It is this triune God who creates, that redeems, and that sanctifies us. This, the creed, lays out so beautifully. But here a distinction needs to be made. There's a slight difference between the way in which the creed presents these truths of Scripture and the beautiful words that Luther uses to explain the creed. It's Luther's explanation that I want to focus on especially today. But if we're to appreciate what Luther is doing here in the creed, we have to at least for a moment bear in mind things go a little backwards for Luther. It's the third article that begins all of this for Luther because it's the third article that is all about our faith. The creation of that faith, the way in which God nourishes and sustains that faith for us. It is a faith that then looks to the second article, which is the heart of our confession, the heart of our faith. The second article is then the object of that faith created by the Holy Spirit through the means of grace. Well, what then is the first article? For Luther, the first article is about the life of faith itself. It is how we go forth as the faithful with eyes trained upon Christ to live in the world that our Lord has created for us. Now here's the key to Luther. I don't know if you picked up on this in the explanation. You see this very clearly in the explanation for the first article, but it goes all the way through the creed. Luther keeps emphasizing a word that is not confessed in the creed at all. It is, for me, an Athanasian moment for Luther. One of the things that Athanasius loves to do when he recounts the great works of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is to always add that this he did for you and for me for our sake and our salvation. Athanasius makes all the works of God personal. Luther does exactly the same thing. Depending on how you count, and I don't lay great store in the ability to count, there's at least 20 occurrences of the word me or my in Luther's explanation of the Apostles' Creed. He does not say, I believe that God made heaven and earth. He did make heaven and earth. Whether you acknowledge that or not doesn't change the fact that he made the heavens and the earth. But Luther puts it differently. I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he made my body and soul, my ears, my eyes, all members, my reason, my senses, all that I am, God created. The God who creates from nothing who brings order to all that he has made, 
made you. This is Luther's point. We depend entirely upon God. Now think about it this way. One of the things that faith frees us from is the false and idolatrous notion of independence from God. Something we should never desire or seek, but rather acknowledge by faith. We are dependent upon God for all that we do. We are dependent for the life that we have, the very breath that we draw, we have from Him. The very breath that you draw this moment, He has placed in your mouth. There's a sense in which Luther's description shows us that God is indebted to caring for us. He made us, and He preserves us, and He cares for us in all things. He has made you, and He has made me. But then Luther turns to a second thing. Not only has God, who makes from nothing, made you very particularly and care for you and all that you do and all that you go forth in this life, but God makes with purpose. This is a remarkable thing. God made you, and he made you with purpose. So Luther's second paragraph in his explanation is all about vocation. It's all about station in life, that he gives you clothing and shoes and food and drink and house and home, wife, children, land, animals, all that you have. The God that puts breath in your mouth has also placed you where he desires for you to be. He has surrounded you with his good gifts. He cares for you in all things. Now listen, listen to how the Lord says this to Jeremiah. These are very familiar words to us, but these are words not just for Jeremiah, but for you and for me. The word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah says, saying, before I formed you, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. The same goes for you and for me. Before our Lord formed us in the womb of our mother, he knew you and he knew me. And then Jeremiah continues, the Lord says, before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. We may not be a prophet to the nations as Jeremiah was, but our Lord who knew you before he formed you also knew the purpose with which he would use you. How he would take you, a baptized child of God, how he would place his words in your mouth as you go forth and give a witness to those around you in the places he has called you, to your neighbor, to love and serve as he is appointed for you. Our Lord, who creates from nothing, who places breath in your mouth, who gives to you the places to go forth, loving and serving him, surrounding you with all that you need, indeed creating for you the very good works that he would do through you, also protects you. He defends you from all danger. He guards you from all things. Friends, we look around the world 
We see the things that close in around us, the trials, the temptation, the threat of persecution. Fear abounds, but Scripture shows us otherwise. It is the Lord who knows you intimately. As Augustine says, he is closer to us than we are to ourselves. He knows you intimately. He cares for you. He points you for the places that he wishes you to serve him, and he protects you. Maybe not as you often would like, but nonetheless, he protects you and defends you and cares for you in all of these places. And finally, Luther adds one of the most remarkable things here in this first article. This he does out of his fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me, in you. What a strange thing to say about creation. I only know of Origen who thought that we merited our creation. All theologians have rejected this, but here Luther says, that which our Lord has done for you from your creation, from putting breath in your mouth to appointing you and your callings for caring for you in all things, this he does out of his fatherly divine goodness. And this he does for you. It's not anything that you have done. It's what you do as he appoints for you in the places that he has called you. Dear friends, the article on creation, it will lead us into the next two, as we'll see over the next two weeks. The article on creation, as Luther presents it to us, bringing together the great witness of Scripture, is one of profound comfort. Every moment of your life is a moment where our Lord cares for you, looks upon you, and has a purpose for you. So let us go forth. Let us delight in the God who made us and who, the, who has appointed for us the wonderful opportunities in life to share his love with those around us. Amen.
In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the gift of divine peace and of pardon, with all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the Holy Christian Church, here and scattered throughout the world, and for the proclamation of the gospel and the calling of all to faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this nation, for our cities and communities, and for the common welfare of us all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For seasonable weather, and for the fruitfulness of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who labor, for those whose work is difficult or dangerous, for all who travel, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those in need, for the hungry and homeless, for the widowed and orphaned, and for all those in prison, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and dying, and for all those who care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Finally, for these and for all our needs of body and soul, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Eternal God, merciful Father, you have appointed your Son as judge of the living and the dead. Enable us to wait for the day of his return with our eyes fixed on the kingdom prepared for your own from the foundation of the world. Through Jesus Christ, your, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and take them to heart that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you Bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve us.